Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. This week we look at Jesus' teachings on who we serve and how blessed we are as we continue our series, Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. So much for joining us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif, and we are really glad you're here. I hope you will be as well. It's great to see you. I'm glad you're looking at us. I hope you're looking at someone who you think looks like a normal human being. But I would hope that normal human being is not normal on the inside. There's some things that are different about us because the Lord lives within us. One of those differences is the way we're oriented towards things of the world, and uh, the Lord gets into it in today's Word, yes? What are you starting out with? Well, he says here that you can't serve two masters, and that gets right down to the issue of decide who you're going to be and how you're going to be in this world. That's good. Our, our notes say practical ways of living, which is Scripture today. Practical practice, possibly? Yes, to be we're sure. We're practicing every day. You know, there's another word, praxis, that's comparable to it. Now I'm taking it to a theological seminary, P-R-A-X-I-X. That harks to uh, the kind of things that we do directly as a result of a theological conviction. That is, as a worldview that informs what we do. And we're beckoned in biblical literature to be unlike animals who are just driven by base instincts. Rather, we have base instincts to seize, to acquire, and all of that. We have that, but we have more than that because we have the Lord in us, and thus we're propelled to be more than just an animal. And I can bring your university teaching right back down, walking it out, walk out your faith, how we walk it out to be different. There you go. It's good. We go now to the Galilee for today's teaching, Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. In Adam, Jesus was all about giving, wasn't he? Didn't just give money, didn't just give time. He gave his life. And I'm sure when he was bleeding out on Calvary's cross that he could have used every drop of blood 
in his own body, I'm sure there were tissues screaming for oxygenated blood, but that blood was spent for people like me and you. In advance of Jesus paying such a high price himself, he went on record talking about money in different ways. And some of those ways are summarized here in what's called, quote, the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to look at one such example with you. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then very forcefully and emphatically he said, you simply cannot serve God and mammon. It's interesting that Jesus was so forceful about it. Not only are his words ignored, but what some people try and do is manipulate him to serve their own interests in mammon. Again, just going directly against what the Lord is saying. Well, what's he saying? Well, it's clear enough. Why is he saying it? Well, to begin to take a peek at that, let me say that what he's saying, uh, he's drawing from concepts that are not uniquely his own. What do I mean by that? In the Jewish world, there's a concept called tikkun olam, which means to repair the world. It's incumbent upon the righteous. It's incumbent upon the tzaddik, the righteous person, to be engaged in tikkun olam, in repairing the world. There's an understanding that everybody has that obligation. It's not just about me. But the Lord says it's about we. Yeshua, Jesus, of course, is the best example of that giving what he gave, the way he gave it, bleeding out entirely. But all of us are to share in the giving. The Lord is emphatic. We just can't serve God and mammon. We just can't put money first, the things of this life first. Jesus went on record saying, the heavenly Father knows that you need all that. You need stuff, we do. And we even want stuff. And God's not about depriving us of that. But we don't want to just live for our own bellies now, do we? Paul spoke of individuals who were believers at one point. He says, but now their God is their belly and their end is destruction. Let it not be just about me. Let it be about we. Let's just not serve the self but let's serve the Creator who gave us our lives. And by virtue of our so doing, we're going to discover that the Creator of all can take care of us as we're busy about the business of putting Him first. חשוב מן הלבוש. הביטו אל אוף השמיים. Look at the birds of the air. 
for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Why worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I'm a big city guy, personally. Lived in New York City for years, uh, Philadelphia, Detroit, Chicago, and now Dallas. Oriented toward the faster life as I am, one of the benefits of coming to Israel, and there are a number, one of them is that I get to get a little bit closer to nature, and frankly, it does me good. And here with the Sea of Galilee behind me and these beautiful flowers and the wind uh, blowing in my face and the whole open air, there's a feeling to it that has a way of calming me personally. And I'm the kind of person by nature that can get ramped up or down rather easily. But here you can kind of open up, breathe a little. The reason why I say that is when Jesus was speaking from here some 2,000 years ago, he was talking about opening up and breathing a little. So many of us are all wrapped up, we're tightened up with fears of this life. And surely there are challenges of this life that give rise to concerns. Still, if I understand the Lord correctly, he says, you know, if you'll follow me, you needn't worry so much about your life, what you shall put on, what you shall wear. He says that in nature we discover that whether it's the birds or the flowers, God has a way of clothing and feeding. I was thinking of that, by the way, this morning, there overlooking the Sea of Galilee, seeing the birds fly over, and I thought, you know, life gets tense sometimes, but God has a way of taking care of creation, and that means that he will, in fact, take care of me. If you're a little restless in the world that we live in, I want you to know there's reasons to be restless. But let me show you right now why there's a reason why I believe that we can be at rest. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? God's honest truth is that's the stuff that we really worry about, our life, our future. What does it mean when Jesus says, don't worry so much? Or like a friend of mine, Svi, says, don't worry, be happy. What does Jesus mean by that? Maybe he means exactly what he says. Prior to this, he's spoken about people that, that, that don't lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. They covet it here on earth. People are stingy, they're not loving, they're not gracious, they're not charitable. Jesus says, chill, you needn't hold on so tight. Because when we hold it on, when we hold on to it all so tight, it has a way of tightening us up. Conversely, if we have a way of giving it up, the Lord has a way of loosening us up. And as we're looser and kinder and more open to others in the Lord, the Lord has a way of pouring more blessings into us. It's perhaps for that reason that he finishes up saying, and you've probably heard this before, seek first 
God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The stuff of life. The Lord says, seek me first. He's not about the business of depriving us of the things that we need in life or even things that we desire in life. He's not in the business of getting in the way of our success in life, but rather Jesus is an enhancer. He's a lover of people and he loves you and he wants you to be a giver and he wants me to be a giver, not to deprive us of something, but in order that we can get more from him, his blessings, which will come to us in manifold ways. Our offer on this program, Zola's Introduction to Hebrew, a step-by-step -step approach that will enable you to read, speak, and translate the Hebrew text while doing Bible study. This 409-page book will nurture you along a friendly course towards a unique intimacy with God's language, land, and people. Learn the language of the kingdom and gain a better understanding of the Lord Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Call 1-800-WONDERS and ask for Zola's Introduction to Hebrew. We hope you're enjoying the dramatic reenactments that we're bringing to you in this series. We take you to just about all of the places that you see in the series. They're beautiful. It's life-changing. Come with us on a Zola tour. You can find all the information on Levitt.com. I want to say this too. Go ahead. You learn, we learned something about the Sea of Galilee. We, did. we have learned a lot of things, as you will, on a Zola <laughs> yes. tour. We learned this is just kind of fun. This is just for you, that it's not actually a sea. It's a lake, it's Lake Kinneret, and the Kinneret is a Hebrew word for harp, H-A-R-P, like David played, right. because the Sea of Galilee is shaped like King David's harp. That was Amazing. free for you today, <laughs> free information. Now let's go back to that beautiful, gorgeous location to hear more about the Prince of Peace. For many of those who had gathered at the feet of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount was a lesson in humility. Judge not that you be not judged, he said, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Two weary fishermen have returned from their long day's efforts with empty nets, exhausted and disheartened. They've tried their best, but to no avail. The owner of the boat rips into them. He wrongfully assumes his workers have been slack in their efforts and blames them for not returning with baskets full of fish. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged, says the Lord. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you.
Some people talk way too much and they talk about things they have no business talking about. There's a Hebrew expression called Lashan Hara, which means an evil tongue and speaks to the habit of people uttering bad speech. There is one type of speech that's particularly egregious and that's blame when people point the finger. As far as I'm concerned, there's room in the world for two types to point the finger. I make room for children to blame others because they're kids. They don't know any better. And on the other hand, I make room for God to blame because he does know better. He knows all the facts. So he can spell it out and put people where they need to be put. But for those of us that are somewhere between being children on the one hand and God on the other, we do well, it seems to me, to be a tad bit more discriminate in the use of speech, lest we go around hurting people, talking about things that we just simply do not understand. Never mind my opinion, however, if I understand Jesus correctly in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he says, and I quote, don't judge lest you be judged. Don't be so quick to point the finger and make assertions about things when you don't know what you're talking about, lest it come back to bite you. And talking about coming back and biting. Later on, Jesus weighs in even stronger yet. You know, he says, now don't be taking the speck out of everyone else's eye, going around correcting everybody and not seeing how you yourself have this enormous plank in your own eye. Funny how you can't see that. Well, after Jesus making a point about not doing that, he says, you hypocrite. In the uh, Hebrew version of Matthew, the word hypocrite harks to the word hyena, something of a ravenous beast. And it seems to me that, that, that people are like that with a bad tongue. They just go and nitpick and harangue and get in the way of decent people. If I understand the Lord correctly, he says, don't judge lest you be judged. If I understand, we do well to rein in the tendency to make judgments without having the facts, to make, quote, snap judgments. We think we're describing the world around us, but when we do that, what we wind up doing is describing the world that's interior to us. We're not describing the world around us. Rather, we're telegraphing to those round about us that we have a mean-spirited disposition, that we're pushy, that we talk about things that we don't know. We're pushing everyone else around when the truth of the matter, we're not describing the world as it is. We're describing the world as we is. <laughs> Intentional grammar there uh, for effect, as we are. We describe the world, it says more about us than the world. Let's be patient with others. Let's hear Jesus on this and be more gracious, more disposed to monitor our own interior worlds and less inclined to go around and correct the world around us and prove to the world around us that the problem isn't the world around us as much as the problem is the world that's interior to us. This is an important teaching of Jesus. 
I think sometimes we think the Bible has uh, information or stories that are so far above our day-to-day -day life. And we've been talking about judge not and how you treat someone else. And I just have to admit to you, years ago actually, I got on you because you accidentally backed up into another car. Ah, and she I remember found out. That happened, <laughs> and I, I was so mad at you. Honestly, this was years ago, and I said, how in the world did you not see that truck? You backed up into that, into that car, and we have damage. And then the very next week, I scraped the whole side of our car, <laughs> and we had horrible damage. So it was very easy, Dr. Seif, you're talking about kind of the blame game today. Judging. And judging, and I got on him, and then the next week I did the same thing. And, and I have I to didn't say, judge her. he was very gracious yes. to me. So well, this is practical stuff. It is. Yes, and speaking of practical, when we go for lunch, neither of you are driving, yeah. by the <laughs> Thank way. Thank you. Just, well, we did on the way. <laughs> Joking aside, it really does speak to the point, and that is, we're all busy seeing what's wrong with others, you know. It's human nature to do that. You know, picking on a pastor is like a sport. <laughs> well, you know, they should have done this and that and this. And, you know, the only way to avoid criticism is to say nothing, be nothing, and do nothing. You know, those of us who have to get out and, and stand up in the land of the living and say something and be something and do something are forever being checkered by criticism. I think the Lord wants us to put that genie in the bottle and to be disinclined uh, to entertain the sport of what's wrong with everything and everyone around you. And I almost think what happened with us, with that story, it was a great lesson for me. I mean, that was something that has been a lesson for the rest of our lives. Not that I'm perfect and, and I can pick up things on him and in his eye and I have a log in mine, but it's almost like God going, you know, you, you put the blame on someone else, you have stuff too. We all have things as learning to be gracious to those. Yes, it's, it's the natural tendency. The fact that we see something wrong in someone, whether it's real or imagined, is a human tendency uh, that happens within webs of relationships. But the Lord beckons us to, you know, keep that thing tapped, keep that in the bottle. Mm -hmm. There's also, I think, a healing when we forgive. Um, there's a saying that I, I needed back in the day from a pastor, if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. And that changed my life in some things in my life that I had to deal with my family back in the day. Well, absolutely. Earlier in this message, the Lord says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But it's explicit, by the way. The truth of the matter is we make mistakes and mistakes are made toward us. Better it is that we not just be overly reactive to all of that. That's right. Okay. There's more to come. We'll be right back. If you only watch us on television, you're missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. Join us as we tour Israel and Petra. Please contact us for more information. We would love to hear from you. Shalom, chavirim. One of the most easy and regularly used words here in Israel is the word slicha, and it means I'm sorry or I beg your pardon, depending on how you use it. So 
Let's say that I bump into somebody and I want to say, I'm sorry. I would say, slicha. But if um, somebody said something to me that I didn't hear or didn't understand, I could say, slicha, which means, I'm sorry, I didn't understand, or I beg your pardon. So as you travel throughout the land, or as you bump into people, you can also use this word, slicha. The first time we were with our son, Ryan, who lived in Jerusalem for three years, said, Mom and Dad, you really need to learn this word that we just learned today. And we've used it. Yes. Thank you, Sarah, so much for Hebrew lessons. She is such a wonderful person, worship leader, boots on the ground in Israel. And slicha, excuse me, excuse me. No, it's actually something we use all the time in Israel. I think people should use it more to tell you the truth. We're all so self, we're all so pious and self-righteous and, you know, but we we need to say, excuse me. If if you say excuse me, it means in your own mind, you realize you've bumped into someone inappropriately and it's your fault, not theirs. And as we make our journey through the highway of life, down the highway of life, we all do bump into it. It's like bumper cars. Remember that old thing? Yes. Uh, You know, back in the carnivals and the fairs and... uh, to learn to say, excuse me, that, that shows a biblical constitution. You said the word learned. I think we're still learning every day as we get into the scripture. Well, I tell my students as a professor, the word doctor, uh, the word scholar comes from the Latin word meaning in school. Mm. You know, they call you doctor, it means learned, but, but scholar mm. means in school. That is, uh, you're a perpetual learner. And the, the only people I have time for in the world are people who are perpetual learners, and, not for people who think they know. And I love the graciousness, giving grace. The Lord himself gave the ultimate grace to us to forgive us for all this, all the sins that we carry. And um, he took it away from us. You got it. Beautiful things. We hope you've enjoyed Dr. Seif's teaching today, our dramatic reenactments. More to come, but we leave you with a song from our founder, Zola Levitt, today. And a word from the Bible, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. For Jerusalem I'll pray For Zion's sake will my heart be burdened In my spirit I will say He came to us and to all the nations He came that we might all be one For Zion's sake I will not keep silent For Zion's sake I'll preach the sun Hero is Zion Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots 
Help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministry.